This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're coming to you once again from the Globe. It's almost like we didn't leave the Globe. Actually, we were in the virtual joint on Sunday, but other than that, forget about that. It's almost like we didn't leave the Globe because we were here on Friday night celebrating till very late because Brentford had beaten Arsenal, which we're not going to talk about very much on this podcast. No, no, no. no, I shouldn't shouldn't talk about it anymore, Bill. We've been asked to move on. Arsenal fans have asked us to move on. So we're going to do that out of respect to our our North London uh, chums and neighbours because we need to move on and talk about other things. I'm Billy Grant and I'm sitting here, like I said, in the virtual joint and I'm with my buddy Laney. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Yeah, we definitely, definitely shouldn't talk much more about Arsenal because there's nothing more really to say. You know, it was it was just just you know just average, wasn't it? Really, but well, you know. But apart from that, yeah, I'm all right. Apart from visit to the dentist today, Bill, I'm not not very happy about that. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to tonight. We've got some new blood on the pod, and um, there's some you know, but definitely not talking about Arsenal very much. Not at all. I mean, maybe you know, watching that Arsenal game was a little bit like pulling teeth. Did you think? Yes, very good. Very almost professional there, Bill. Which, thank, you, thank you. I've been working on that. Yeah, I'm um, very, very, very nice. But if anyone's any, anyone knows a, a good uh, implant technician, then I'm, I'm up for a bit of that. But definitely not talking about Arsenal very much. Absolutely not talking about the Arsenal as well. And also, uh, we're going to I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to talk to one of our new chums as well. We've got Charlie in the house as well. Uh, Charlie, how are you doing? Yeah, pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here. I'm uh, I'm just recovering from what I thought was a very standard Friday night. Uh, Moved on pretty quick. Nothing major to report, really. And you're not going to talk about it at all, are you, Charlie? No. I, I can't even remember what happened, to be honest. It was pretty standard. But it's, it's, only, it's only fair, though, because, you know, the, the, the little poppets up in North London, they, they, you know, they don't want us talking about it anymore, really. So we won't talk about it as well. And myself, I've had, I've had, I've had I'll tell you something, it's been a bit, bit of another whirlwind week already. I don't even know what day of the week it is, like, you know. We had the podcast on Sunday that we did. I think we have to call it the Sunday Session or the Sunday Reflection. Or we'd love to come up with a, a nice little name for that. As we know, I went to watch uh, the, the Hamlet on the Saturday, which was good. I enjoyed that sitting in the sun. And then yesterday, actually, I sat in the front room of a friend of mine, Theo, who does this very good podcast called life goals if you haven't checked it out definitely check it out what it is it's a podcast where basically somebody sits down and he talks through you know his life 
And he talks through his footballing life, or her, it's he or her as well. Um, and then also at the same time, then they talk about the goals um, that would punctuate their life at the time. So the big goals in their life and the music that went with that, you know. So it's called Life Goals. And I think Liam Gallagher was actually on it a couple of weeks ago. And he had a couple of, he did two episodes, he, you know, it's one and two. You know, we've had all sorts of characters. Kaz Pennant was on there. Lots of journos on there. Lots of actors on there and actresses as well. Uh, really, really good podcast. But I actually was very, very honoured to have uh, actually gone and recorded Life Goals. So you're going to hear my Life Goals. I think it's coming out next Monday as well. If I was invited on, I definitely wouldn't talk about um, like life goals being Hey Jude. That definitely wouldn't be one of my songs. And I wouldn't talk about um, Canos's goal um, or, or Norgard's goal. Ne- I definitely wouldn't talk about them. So were you, were you, you, weren't, you weren't eavesdropping on the, the recording by any chance, were you, Laney? No, I'm sure you didn't talk about that. No, no, no. I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed to mention anything that I talked about. But like, like I said to you, there are a few Brentford ones in there. It's not all Brentford, to be quite honest with you, because a lot of my sort of life goals actually revolve around travelling to international places and watching international games and staying out till five o'clock in the morning. But um, if you check it out, I think you might find it quite amusing. It's out next Monday, Life Goals uh, by Theo Delaney. But check the back copies on that one because it's really, Theo really quite Delaney. interesting. It's like my, my, my posh name. What is it? Oh, you, 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 you look like a delay there. <laughs> so, listen, but anyway, look, Charlie, I'm going to ask you as well, because it's, it's good to have you in the house, and uh, one of the reasons why we came across you, because, Laney, you, you put out a little uh, SOS, didn't you? Well, it wasn't quite an SOS. No, it was... Um, I, I, I had a few people uh, contacted us asking, you know, if they could contribute and get involved in supplying articles and and bits and bobs for the fanzine and, and you know, fanzine and or you know, online. Um, and I just thought, well, we, we've not we've not actually gone out and asked people to to, to 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 become part of the editorial team for a few years. And I, I put a request out on Facebook and on Twitter, and I've been blown away. It's about 20, 25 people have put their hands up. So we've got a new besotted editorial team and um so we can we can get fresh content on the on the website besotted.com which if you um if you've got out the habit of visiting the website um have a look there's is about six or seven absolute cracking articles that have been up in the last five days um and we're gonna there's there's no there's little excuse anymore with an editorial team like that to have uh, a, a new article up most days i say now so um, you, you know, you'll obviously get links to them on Twitter as well and on Facebook. So you know, there's, there's no no reason for you not to uh, to tuck in, mate. No, no, it's, it's quite good as well. And we're going to uh, we're going to be bringing back the match reports as well. But they're not going to be match reports; they'll be match reflections as they are. And we're going to rotate it up as well, so everyone's got a little chance. So everyone gives their little little slant on the game, like, you know. So the first one's going to be the Palace game on Sunday. So after the game, you'll hopefully get a uh, like I said, a match reflection probably Sunday afternoon just to see what people think and I'll tell you what we are going to change we're going to try and get these bloody adverts turned off of the, the podcast so um, it's a bit of a struggle I have to say yeah it's not as straightforward as you think it's not like a, a click in a box saying turn off um, it's been a bit of uh, bit of shenanigans involved but you know if, you, if you're not enjoying being asked to buy flowers from, um, from Ireland or having your pubes shaved off on some manscaping begging landscaping la- landscaping I think landscaping my god you must be hairy um, so yeah So, but we, what we are going to have to swap it out with though we are we're going to put a request out for maybe a couple of sponsors to come on board um so if you're a if you're a 
if you're a Brentford fan, um, a besotted subscriber, and you run your own company and you think you can come in and help us, we need to buy. Basically, we need to buy equipment. Um, we're going to start doing the videos again, and I, I did one. Um, before the Arsenal game, which I'm not going to talk about much tonight. Um, but and if you haven't seen the video, it's, it's, it's up on YouTube and the links are all over there. And it was after the Arsenal game, actually, yeah. but not before it, because if we yeah. did it, it would just have sort of you standing outside the stadium. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but so what we're, we're going to do is we need to we need to buy new equipment. We haven't, we haven't basically upgraded anything in the last four or five years yeah. and things are grinding to a halt. And so... Subscriptions. Subscriptions. And, and, you know, and maintenance and yeah. just all sorts of stuff, like, you know, so, travelling around all over the place. So yeah, so if you're if you're uh, if you if you love what we do and you think you can come forward and help us in a in a in a medium way, then uh, drop us a line to uh, besotted1992 at gmail dot com, um, or just DM us on on any of the socials and we we can have a chat about it. So uh, yeah, so um, a sponsor would be nice, wouldn't it? It, it, it would help everybody out because it is quite tough at the moment now we know everyone else is tough but you know at the end of the day I'm, I'm sure there's bees out there that actually might want to get involved and listen we're just putting it out to you at the end of the day we want to do we're doing we've been doing this for like for years we've been absolutely doing this for years and just making it work like you know and uh, we were chatting the other day when those adverts popped up and we were just going this is a nightmare you know is there another way like you know of, of us maybe just doing something and maybe you know people just getting involved and working with us and we're very very grateful for the people that have been, you know, um, supporting us through Kofi, you know, besotted.com forward slash Kofi. And that's been really, really great. And we have to start giving the Kofi shouts again now that the new season's at. But other than that, listen, we're very, very grateful. But if anyone wants to come on board, they can do. But listen. But not manscapers. No, 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 no. No, not at all. But listen, what we're going to do is we're going to go away um, because we're sitting in the pub here. Just had a bit of food. Just had another pint. Oh, we've got another point coming. We're going to go and get the point. Should we come back and not talk about Arsenal? We're going to go away. We're going to have a drink. We're going to come back and we are not going to talk about the Arsenal game because apparently we've been told that we're not supposed to talk about it. We need to move on. So we'll join you after the break. We've got Palace at the weekend, but, but before we talk about Palace, we've we're just, we're just got a few little points or maybe just one little point about the Arsenal game that we, we didn't mention. So we're just going to um, just go into this as well because we're not going to talk about the Arsenal game very much. Charlie, I'm just, I don't know if you listened to our podcast on, on Sunday and we talked about a number of things. And um, what we've got is we've got a few little pointers that we've asking people. We're asking questions to everyone around the table. And I just want to know what your main takeaway was from that Arsenal game. Oh, well, firstly, I obviously can't really remember the game because I'm not allowed to talk about it and I've already completely moved on. Um, but I'd say for me, the main takeaway was just the superb atmosphere. It was my first real time at the stadium, um, soaking up the atmosphere. Got to listen to Mike Skinner welcome us out onto the pitch. Um, atmosphere was absolutely bouncing and I thought it was just a fantastic stadium. Really impressed. I mean... A lot of people have been talking about the stadium. If you listen, to the, again, we're talking about the takeaway here, um, is a lot of people, people will be talking about the stadium. A lot of pundits have been talking about sort of kind of the match itself. And what is interesting is that, again, if you listen to a lot of the pundits, what they're doing is that they're actually kind of... It's interesting because what they would want to do is that they, they sort of like... First of all, they say, I was quite surprised by Brentford. They were better than I thought. The second thing that they said is that they felt that the fans in the stadium kind of whipped up a win for them, you know, is what a lot of people have been saying. But almost like not saying that trying to take anything away from us, but sort of throwing that in there, almost sort of saying that the fans in the stadium 
basically kind of gave us the win, gave us, a, you know, which, which obviously there's a benefit to that as well. But on the flip side of it, they were saying that Arsenal kind of didn't deal with it because the fans were in the stadium. They struggled because of it. Now, I thought that this was quite a bizarre thing for them to say because obviously we knew that... Um, the atmosphere is going to be great because we're the fans and we were potty for it and we knew it, and we know what we're like. But also the, the other thing that I'd say is that we know what we're like because we've played in stadiums of 3,000 and with 4,000 fans in it, we've made a massive noise in there as well. So for us to go inside, there was 16, 17,000 singing. It's not an issue. So <laughs> is this almost like a Premier League thing where they were, they were just surprised that there were actually people singing in, with such ferocious sort of kind of fervour? But yeah, before before obviously we move on from the Arsenal, I will answer your question, and um, <laughs> it's um, it, I, I find it a bizarre argument. You know, this is this is an established. You know, Arsenal are a team that have never been relegated out of the top flight. They they play top flight Premier League football year in year out in at some of the most um, ferocious atmospheres that is known in this country and throughout Europe. So uh, for them to be spooked by by Brentford. Is, is just a little bit odd and I just find it a, just a, a, a really a really kind of pub team excuse really like how could they you know it wasn't the old firm derby it, 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 this this wasn't Liverpool versus Everton this this wasn't you know it was a great atmosphere don't get me wrong and I, 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 feel, I thought it was a, um, a landmark um, atmosphere um, because we've set standards now and uh, the Hey Jude works and everyone is, feels like they can partake in it and you haven't got different stands um, <clears throat> get, having different acoustics this is just like one bowl of noise and it's been designed that way so it, it works um, but for it to be used as an excuse by Arsenal as a reason for not turning up to be scared off by Brentford, I think it's a bit pathetic. It's a, it's a bit, it's a bit Mickey Mouse if I'm on this bill. And, and also, it's interesting because we're Westlanders, but you are actually in the North Stand as well, so you're actually a lot closer to the Arsenal fans, mm. right? And, and I've got all the ask question, and again, this is not saying it, um, and we're not going to talk about Arsenal too much, but I just have to sort of throw this into the pot as well. But um, Arsenal, <laughs> there was a blog. I can't remember the, the, the name of the blog. Oh, okay. um, no, it wasn't. No, no. The, the blog that actually talked about the fact that they said the atmosphere was terrible. Oh, it was um, on She Wore. Oh, yeah, She Wore. So She Wore, which is an Arsenal blog, actually complained and they said that the atmosphere was really terrible at Brentford. Now, you're in the North Stand. <laughs> uh, no, we were obviously a bit further away and I couldn't hear the Arsenal fans singing. Did you, did you hear the Arsenal fans singing? Because you were a lot closer to them. I was a lot closer to them, uh, but I can safely say I didn't hear much noise coming from the Arsenal away end. Um, they sort of got drowned out by the stand just next to them. So there wasn't too much coming at all. And especially when half of them had left after about 75 minutes or so. <laughs> I mean, you talk about that as well. That's a different thing as well. I still don't get people leaving games 75 minutes to go again because Arsenal, could have, they could have got something back. If they scored one goal, they could have been back in that game, couldn't they? Just needed a long throw and they'd have been back in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that, was, that was one of the tweets I, I, I did see was, you know, some, someone said, you know, we've been, I've been locked out of going to away games for 18 months and here I am being cheerioed out of the ground by <laughs> fucking Brentford <laughs> no no you've got to laugh though you've got to laugh but you know as we say you know look for, for this game you know we, you talked about your main takeaway but I'm just interesting as well because again when we did the podcast on Sunday you know me and Laney we also asked the question we had Robin Hood as well in there as well we also asked what was your main stinker of the match I would say the main stinker of the match was 
turning up to my new season ticket, all excited. I got to check the colour of my seat, which was obviously a big issue. Um, and I realised about 20 minutes into the game that I was sat next to one of the most miserable men in Britain uh, who told me to sit down when I was clapping for Saka. Uh, he was a classic sort of when we're passing it around the back, he said to lump it up. And when we lumped it up, he said, you've got to pass it there. It was an absolute nightmare and I sincerely hope that he's not a season ticket holder. Yeah, so we, we talked about that again on the podcast on Sunday. We said that again, being in a new stadium means that you're in, in a new position. You know, we're not used to sitting down because we've sat, stood in the terraces for 40 years. You know, so if you don't like the people that are around you, you can quite simply move. And we actually did that. I, 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 don't, I don't like the bloke I'm stood next to. No, well, actually, to be quite honest with you, I've, I've already put in a, a transfer request, lady, to be quite honest with you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Cheers>. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but you could do that quite easily if you're on the terraces. It's not so easy if you've got a fixed oh. seat. And we've had a, a number of messages and calls and people ringing us up saying to us, like, I'm having a nightmare. The people <laughs> around me are racially abusing and shouting and being really horrible and that makes it quite difficult if you sort of think I'm going to be in this seat for 10 years or 15 years with these people around me so it's going to be interesting to see how the club manage that um, seeing as they've got quite a few things on their, their, on, their, on, their, on their table at the moment now like sort of distributing tickets for Crystal Palace games and all sorts of stuff like that which or, we'll, or, not. Or, or, not, or not as the case may be which we'll come on to a little bit later but look we've all talked about the Arsenal game you know, what we're going to do is actually, we're not going to talk about it much more, but I heard the fans had something to say after the game. So we're going to see what the fans had to say straight after that Arsenal game. They're banging on about it, are they? They're banging on about it? They are banging oh, on about yeah. it. Okay, let's hear what they had to say. Billy, I don't know really where, I'm a very, very, very proud man here tonight. To watch this tonight is very, very special. I'll never forget tonight as long as I live. It proves that the collective is stronger than the individual. What a performance. They dug in, they did it, and man alive, what a feeling. It's unbelievable. I mean, we, we, we had our moments under pressure, but we won that game, and we're in the Premier League to compete. And hopefully we continue this going. There's more to come from this Brentford team. What a brilliant day. What a brilliant team. What a brilliant club. So great to see so many faces here. Sing it along. Hey, Judy, Judy! It was a brilliant performance and the crowd really played their part. I, this was an atmosphere of beholden to none. If you can get a ticket to come down to Lana Road this season, do it. Because we are absolutely going to show what passionate football fans are like. I mean, Arsenal are a good side. You can tell from their players. Smith Lowe is absolute class. There's class all over the pitch. But so did we. That's the thing. We are now as good as a lot of Premiership sides. I mean, we look great all over the pitch. I mean, you know, Pinnock, you know, played for Dulwich five years ago, and here he is in the Premiership, one of the best players on the pitch. I'm really proud. I never thought we could beat one of these big teams, and it's just so amazing that we did it, and I'm so proud of them. And you hear that now? We are top of the league. We're actually top of the Premier League. OK, there's games tomorrow, but it doesn't matter. But did you ever think that you'd see Brentford top of the Premier League? No, I didn't even think we, could, we would get promoted a few years ago. But this is just amazing that we're top of the Premier League. And we're Brentford. We're literally Brentford. No one believes in us, but I think we can do it. We didn't look scared at all. We, we weren't overawed. Arsenal, nothing. I'm, I'm surprised they're in the same division as us now. And listen, we're talking about bees that pull them down. 
to be honest with you, Fulham, they're done now, don't they? Fulham are done, they're oh, gone. They're we should be looking at Man City, we should be looking at Man United. They're a busted flush, Fulham are. Corrupt FM still ringing out. Yeah, we inspired them. No, it was incredible, man. I think we played the right game today, so did our thing. And we, you know, we weren't intimidated. It was amazing. I mean, it's interesting because you're talking about we did our thing. We got Thomas Frank against Arteta. At one stage, we had fans that were saying Thomas Frank out. But now we got Thomas Frank against Arteta. And he did Arteta a big one there today. They were just trying, like, long-range efforts by the end just to sort of see what happened. Today is genuinely one of the most emotional games I've ever been to. Walking into the new stadium, hearing everybody. As soon as you walk in, everybody chanting. We're in a Premier League. By the end of the game, we're chanting that we're top of the Premier League. You know what I mean? It doesn't get any better. I just think uh, they were nervous, didn't want to get beaten, but ended up getting beaten. We had no one in the box, six-yard box. Tierney, unbelievable. Best player for Arsenal. How many crosses did he put into that box? No one was there to put the ball in the net. And as for Leno, I don't know why we still got him. We need to give him away. Brentford, well... Never stop working. Defence, brilliant defence. I mean, you just could, they just didn't put a foot wrong. As for the goalie, wow. What a, what a, what a good couple of saves he made. Uh, just couldn't, we just couldn't score. We just couldn't beat their defence. They were brilliant today. I'm still pinching myself. It is ridiculous that, you know, it, it's easy to say. I mean, I predicted we would win. I've, I've, you know, I've been on record all week on the pod saying 2-1. Um, you know, so I'm not, I'm not like gobsmacked, but I am. I'm so to actually do it rather than think we could do it. We all knew we could, but to beat Arsenal two 0 not to concede is, it's, it's just ridiculous. But you know, it feels just like any other win, and you know, it's almost like you have to keep reminding yourself it's Arsenal and it's the Premier League. It feels like it could be Chesterfield or Walsall. It's a, it's a win. So that was the fans, and very happy they were, you know, and it's really good to hear what people say straight after the game. You have to remember that is literally, you know, after the final whistle's blown and people just, you know, just get out their emotions then. You know, look, we're going to move on and talk about Palace in a minute, but there's just a few little points I just want to talk about Arsenal, just maybe one or two, because we've been told that we're not going to bang on about it anymore. But um, there's just one thing. It's one thing I noticed, Laney. Did you notice this as well, that a lot of people were talking about our long throws and basically how archaic they thought that our football was because we took long throws. Now, that's quite interesting because after the the day afterwards, very early in the morning, even though I was sleeping at your couch uh, until Christ knows, you know, falling asleep with the red wine at about three o'clock in the morning, but then I still managed to set me alarm and got up at seven o'clock in the morning to be on Radio 5 Live and I was on with Robbie from Arsenal Fan TV and we were talking about the game as, as we do and I was celebrating and there was... Robbie from Arsenal Fan TV and also Nick Bright from, uh, from uh, BBC Radio 5. And uh, we were just chatting about it. And then Robbie was going, he was trying to be, you know, listen, I know Robbie needs cool. He was trying to be very sort of kind of, you know, he's giving, tipping his hat to us. It's all great. He's going, yeah, man, you know, well, you know, when we play Stoke City, I mean, they're like Stoke City. Brentford, and I was thinking, Stoke City? He's going, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, you just do what works, isn't it? but you're like Stoke City. And I was thinking, what, why, are we, why is he calling us Stoke City? Because we're... We're not really anything like Stoke City. I mean, Stoke City are really, really direct. And Stoke City kind of had the, you know, they had the long throws with Rory Delap, like I'm saying. But I mean, you know, when we play Stoke City in the, in the championship, we were, we were nothing like Stoke City. So I was kind of really confused. But then obviously it must have been the long throws that have kind of got people in their heads thinking, right, this team is just going to come in, throw the ball into the middle, lump the ball up long, and that's all they can do, isn't it? 
Yeah, there is there is a real snobbery snobbery about it, and I, you know I, I, I'll put my hands up and say I'm, I'm a bit of a hypocrite for saying this um, because we have slagged off teams that do that in the past, whether that be Stoke City or Cardiff or any any of those ones that uh, have the towel down the side of the pitch, waiting for someone to come along and, and, and launch launch a you know a, a missile into the into the area, but. You know, it has got me thinking. To be honest, you know, um, Mazbek has, has has done that to, to you know to, to good effect once or twice. Um, it's a it's, it's a real good one to chuck it, chuck you know, chuck it into the mixer and to 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 mix it up a little bit. But really, you know, we we don't we don't slag off um, teams for putting uh, a corner straight into the into the penalty area, hanging it up at the, at the far post. We don't. We don't slag off um, anyone that puts a free kick, uh, sends their big guys up from the back, and, 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 and puts you know puts a ball in for for the you know as I said for the for the taller guys to come and attack. So, is is a is a long throw any different to those two things? I don't I don't think it is necessarily. You know, it's not all we do. It's not it's not like every time we get a throw, we get a throw in, we you know we, we, we get the towel out as I said and 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 launch it in from seventy yards. But it's it's something we try now and again. And you know, I, I, you touched on it before, Bill. You know, Thomas Frank, he, he, he out he out tacticked um, and um, he out tacticked Arsenal, and it was something that we'd obviously worked on. And the, and the Arsenal podcast that I was listening to on the way over, the Ars Pod, um, Ars Blog, um, um, yeah, sponsored by Manscape. Um, they they were saying that you know they well, they stopped short of saying well done Brentford or, or fair play Brentford. I haven't heard that very much at all. Every everything's either their mistake or we were, we got lucky. But uh, yeah, um, it's it's we we did we did a job on them. The one thing I will say is that you know, first of all, and you know, listen, we've got you know, Brentford fans there. We've probably got a few Arsenal fans. We've got Palace fans listening. Um, Matt Speck Sorensen wasn't on from the first minute. He came on with what, what twenty minutes to go, fifteen minutes to go, you know, and he came on with what fifteen minutes to go, and and the first thing he did was put in that throw in, if I remember rightly, which basically kind of led to the goal. Um, so it was kind of the first thing he did. So the, the thing that I said to Robbie when we talked about that Arsenal fan, when we talked to him on the Radio 5 thing, I was saying, look, you know, I'm not being funny, Robbie, but, you know, surely, I, you know, or I said it to a few people, is that they're expecting us. They're saying that Brentford bashed them up. Like apparently Gary Neville said that Brentford bashed them up a little bit and roughed them up. And I'm thinking, I don't understand what's going on here because surely these are professional teams and what you do is that you play to the strengths. And what we found out for the last few years is that we were missing out on automatic promotion and playoff places because we were playing this pretty football the whole time. And we were brilliant. You know, we were doing 900 passes per game and we were just passing everyone to death. But we were actually not putting the ball into the right area. Or we were not doing, you know, not doing the things to actually get us the goals that we needed to or somebody was nicking us on the break. So the following season, we realised how to mix it up a little bit more, how to pass the ball around a bit, but also be a bit tough, maybe go a little bit long when you needed to go a little bit short, and we just mixed it up. So now we've come to the Premier League, and there's almost like all those things that we've learned, we've put them into practice. And we've obviously looked at Arsenal. He's gone, their defence, mate, you know, listen, we, we throw long balls against them. We're going to beat them. Tony will beat them. You know, Ben White, we're going to beat them all, you know, all day long. So we decided to do that at particular times, you know what I'm saying? Because what you're going to do, we, we're not necessarily going to outpass Arsenal who outpass everybody else the whole time. Or else, you know what I'm saying? So that's when you're saying about Thomas Frank outgunning Arteta on this one. We've played to the strengths. And, you know, for me, 
you know we've the interesting thing is that we never used to do the long throws at all it became sort of a bit of a thing like oh blimey we're actually doing long throws now. in fact it was on one of our podcasts I'm sure that we asked Thomas Frank or we asked one of the technical people are we going to start doing more long throws because we don't do them and I think if, if, if Matt the Allard is there as well he'd say to us well, part of the reason why is that we didn't have a particularly tall team as well as we've got taller over the last 12 months or so it enables us to actually play a different style of football at a time in the game if we ever need to so there we go as I said as I said it's not something we do every single throw in it's 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 something we use as a as a you know to chuck chuck a wild card in just to just to try something different and uh, it's not like we didn't play football as well we, we had a period of about 50 passes when everyone was uh, laying around around the ground so it was a, it was a real performance of contrast we did hit it long um, and we did play football and we gave them something we were unpredictable and we gave them something to think about you know it was it was very difficult for them to kind of know what was coming next and I think that was the cleverest tactic of the day was for for all of our players to use their heads and we we were I thought we were cleverer than Arsenal in the night and that I think is incredible um, to to do that in your first game in the top flight it's not going to happen every week, but I think, you know, fair play. Charlie? I also might be wrong, so correct me if I am, but I can't remember us actually directly scoring off a long throw from Mads Beck in the Championship all season. I think this is the first time that we've actually directly scored from one, so I think, if anything, it says more about the Arsenal centre-backs than our tactics, really. Well, it's, it's, I mean, you say that. We, how many times do we moan about our set-piece coaches and say, oh, you immediately sack him and get another one in? Because our set-pieces used to be sort of kind of fairly average. But all of a sudden now you listen on the radio and the TV and everyone's basically saying that we're a set-piece team. You know, we're a team that, you know, that we create our chances from set-pieces. But that's actually never Brentford. So, I mean, again, to me, is this an evolution or is this that something that just happened because we knew that Arsenal were weak in that area? I think Frank was just a lot cleverer. Than, uh, than Arteta I think I haven't seen a Brentford game in years where we've lumped up quite that much and Tony was just the solid target man the whole game I think Frank knew that he'd have aerial dominance over White and Mary um, and I just thought Frank absolutely nailed the tactics really I heard, I heard um, Ivan won four, four out of his seven aerial challenges which I think is incredible so we've just got a little clip here from that Radio 5 interview that's myself and Robbie from Arsenal Fan TV talking about Brentford being Stoke City. What, what, what went wrong on the pitch? One thing that I knew was going to happen is that it was going to be a really good atmosphere because, as he's just described, they've just come back. Well, they're, they're into the Premier League and also that they were going to be really, really up for the game. And what shocked me about Arsenal was how underprepared we were. I mean, every Arsenal fan will know that throughout this whole summer... We've looked undercooked. We've looked underprepared. And then when we're going into the game and we hear there's no Aubameyang, no Lacazette, they're both injured. Gabriel's out, we know injured. Um, Eddie Nketiah even injured. Thomas Partey. We was already, you know, missing some of our real key players. But even so, that's no excuse. And we just looked underprepared and just undercooked in the whole game. Mm. We weren't up for it. They were very, very direct. I mean, at some point, <laughs> I saw those stripes in them and the way they did, I was like, look, we're playing Stoke all over again. But I'm not going to um, hold it against them because they had a plan and it worked. It worked and we were just very, very poor. And I think Mikel Arteta, 
is already under a lot of pressure with Arsenal fans. I hear Robbie said that we were Stoke City. Listen, listen we, we laugh because Stoke City, mate. Listen, I'm going to tell you, in our division, Stoke City, they, they killed us last season because they played their direct football. Well, what Thomas Frank, I think, has been able to do, he tactically outdid Arteta because the fact is that... No, he we, did, he did. Yeah, we, played, we, we play a passing game football, but sometimes we realise that you've got to mix it up and we mixed it up yeah. good last night. And Arsenal weren't able to cope with it. So if you have to go direct at times, you do it. Yeah. But we also played no, the no, ball yeah, out, played it out from the back. Ivan Tony Listen, was winning I'm everything as well up, up top, that's for sure. He yeah, killed Ben White. Say, ben White, mate, not, 50 I'm, million pound. He killed him. I'm not, I'm not dropping it. I'm not oh, I'm joking. I'm just saying it was very similar to how I've seen Stoke play over the years. But as I said, it worked. And if you've got, like, if you've got something that works and you, you've got to deploy something different, you should try it. And that's one of the problems with Arsenal at the moment. We don't. That one of the worrying things is that there doesn't seem to be a plan. And you can actually catch the full podcast on Pride of West. London, that Radio 5 live broadcast of me and Robbie from Arsenal Fan TV. I think we ought to move on, Bill. You know, for like, you know to be honest, we're not allowed. Are we, are we, are we too, talk too much already about. Listen, we've 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 talked you know, we've talked enough about this game. You know, it's just just some of this. Just one other thing that you want to talk about. Just just one one other little thing. Sergi Canos. We mentioned it briefly because you know, for me, he was like my player of the game. I thought he had a fantastic game. Sergi Canos, like you know, um, it's actually quite because I'm sitting there smiling and you realise that it's so funny because we know the championship so well and we know the players in and out and what they do and these pundits are coming in and they've obviously got no idea right about our players really but they've got to talk about them so they're going about Sergi Canos they're going oh Sergi Canos and somebody I think said something or wrote a story he goes oh yeah he's alright Sergi Canos but you know oh, defensively maybe you know I'm not sure because Tierney got around him a few times and put some crosses in the fact is that does anyone out there know that Sergi Canos hasn't actually a right back at all he's actually our winger and he was the one that was actually kind of like you know he was up front a left winger That's as right. well something. <laughs> it's hilarious like I'm saying so Sergi Canos has come in and he's done a job against Arsenal and it's not even his job like and I'm saying it's kind of like you know he's like sort of kind of sort of fourth choice right back like you know so but they obviously think that he's good enough to do a job um, but the question I'm going to ask obviously is because you know transfer wise we're, we're done we've talked about this enough in the fact that we've brought in you know the players that we feel that we need to to fill the squad you know we've got the Ajo we've got Frank the Tank Onyeka I mean we're not going to talk about him but we might talk, talk about him in a bit as well we've got um, the Pert Harris you know who come in and then we've got the um the, the Risa, who just came in the other day, and we looked at the team, we're thinking, you know, um, we, we thought, oh, we've got quite a few players coming now. We've filled most of the positions. The only position that hasn't really been filled, and we've talked about this a few weeks coming now, is the right-back position. So, you know, Sergi Candles is there, but the question is that, you know, what are you saying over the next few weeks? Because I'm not disrespecting Sergi at all. You know, but we have to remember when Sergi was first given that right-back job um, a couple of seasons ago and Thomas Frank says, right, Sergi, you're going to play right-back. And he went, I've never played in this position in my life, Thomas. And he goes, don't worry about it, you'll be fine. The first game was great. Then the second game, he was a little bit, you know, a little bit shaky. This right-back position is probably quite important that we, we fill it because we, we could get a little bit scuppered if we, if we carry on maybe by trying to fill in with a, with a very good player but who doesn't necessarily play that position week in and week out, wouldn't it? Yeah, the, the DOFs aren't, aren't going aren't, aren't gonna to be caught in that left-back uh, situation again, I'm sure, this year. You know, I know, I know um, 
Mazbek filled in well and you know it, it turned out okay in the end Brian and Bumo played played there in, in one of the games as well but um, there's 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 nothing to be left to chance now, I mean, and there's no reason to. There's money. There's money there, um, not to not to cut corners. And you know, uh, it's it's hard. It's hard on some of the players that are going to kind of feel that their places are under threat. But we do have to keep players on on their toes. Um, there's no room for complacency. And, and to be honest, if we're going to stay in this division, there's not a lot of room for like sentimentality. Of course, we're going to stay loyal and always be there to support our players and, and, and actually get behind them. But we're, we're going to have to rotate the squad. We're going to have to play different different players for different games. Thomas Frank's going to have to use his, 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 his footballing brain like he never has. He's going to have to out-clever some of the best coaches in, in the game. So... Um, you know, it's, it's it's important that we've got more than more than two players sometimes in in all the positions. In the midfield, we've got enough. And um, you know, before before we move on from the Arsenal, yeah, yeah, you know, we're before, not going to talk, no, about, we it can't much talk more. about that one right now. Um, we've brought a new goalkeeper in because there there is talk that on a couple of the podcasts I've listened to, that you know, the Arsenal fans are saying, oh, we we should have bought David Raya. This time last year, Arsenal, if you didn't know, were in for him um, up until the, the transfer window, um, and there was, you know, there was certainly some kind of like question marks over whether he was going to be a Brentford player for the rest of the season. And obviously, the goalkeeping coach was Brentford went to Arsenal, and he loves him. He loves him. So the idea of bringing him over there is still probably very much alive. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, so the, you know, his podders were, were saying, you know, we we, did, we definitely. Definitely should have go back and plunder David Raya. So you know whether that's a whether that's a possibility. I, I, I doubt. I, I don't. I don't think we'll be looking to sell anyone. But you know, not, well, not this window anyway. No, no, not this window. But you know, if our players continue to impress, then you know January is going to be a threat for us. So um, and this goalkeeper Alvaro Fernandez as well, and he's coming. And you, and you know a little bit about him, didn't you? Yeah, I've watched about two and a half minutes of him on YouTube, so I've got a pretty uh, pretty solid idea of what he's about. Expert. Exactly. I did see him save a free kick from Messi. So Where did he come from? Huesca. Huesca. Um, who I can't say I know too much about, but he looked he looked decent in the two and a half minutes I saw. Um, and just on, on Canos, I think whenever I've watched Canos at right back, especially in a back five, I think he's actually been really good and I think he's better there. And and the other thing is not to bring it back to Arsenal. I know that we shouldn't be talking about it, but I think Arsenal are naturally going to attack down that side with Tierney as opposed to Callum Chambers on the other side. So I think it's no wonder that he got slightly overrun because all the attacks basically came down that side through Arsenal, not necessarily through Canos's weakness. Um, but I do very much still think that we need to get a right back. Um, so we'll see where that goes. And we're still, I mean, we're talking about that as well, whether or not this Alexander Barr is still going to be on the on the cards or if it's going to be everyone else. They always put, like, you know, there's players that always come up on the radar, but they always literally throwing their, their oar out, throwing their net out very wide, and we'll see what they come back up with. They've got a couple, a couple of weeks to go, actually, till the end of the transfer window. This is really weird how we've pretty much done all our business with a, with a couple of weeks to go. So I'm uh, talking about sort of other players as well. There's Ivan Tony. Now, Ivan Tony is... Um, well, he's, uh, he scores all night long, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but Ivan Tony, great player, the big hype man. Everybody's talking about him. So obviously it's going to be make his life a little bit more difficult because he finds himself with two and three players on him the whole time. But this match, Ivan Tony, you know, how did you see his game? Because for me, 
I didn't see this game as necessarily Ivan Tony being the striker, the one who's going to put the ball in the back of the net. I saw it, you know, especially especially times that Ivan Tony Tony was was the disruptor. You know what I'm saying? He's the one that was causing problems. He's the one that was pulling um, two or three players around him, which enabled people like Norgard, whoever like that, to sneak in and put the ball in the back of the net. You know, and I thought he did a really good job there, and especially because. Arsenal he can't get this Tony to get himself on the ball or else he put the ball in the back of the net well I think uh, to be fair to Ivan I think last season a lot of opposition fans saw him as sort of a tap-in merchant and I think if you're a Brentford fan you know that he's, he's got so much more about him than that and I thought Friday night was a, a classic example he won all his headers against those centre-backs the amount of times when the ball came down to him and he flicked it round to Mbwemo, he's setting it out to the wing-backs he's got so much more about him than just being a finisher and I think that's actually what a lot of uh, Premier League pundits and things don't actually know they think he's just a sort of bloke that will score 30 goals and not offer too much more just a sort of in the 25 yard box player but his all round play is absolutely fantastic and probably the best I've seen in a striker for some time from Brentford definitely and, I mean, and let's be controversial here now I mean Tottenham are looking for a new striker do you think that they will with the Harry Kane money that they'll get 150 million so they've got a lot to spend. Do you think they'll go, tell you what, that Ivan Tony, he's going to... We give Brentford 40 million. They'll sell him. Do you think that is a move that could or should... Should's probably not the right word, but that could happen? If I was a Tottenham fan, I would be absolutely buzzing to sign Ivan Tony. I think it would be the one that I'd really be pressing for. Um, but I do think... I don't think the... Our, our directors are going to get on overly well with Levy, um, a famously tough negotiator. I think that deal might be quite difficult to sort out, knowing how Levy is in the transfer market. And we're not going to settle for anything less than our valuation, I imagine. So, I mean, it's coming down to it, for me, it looks like, you know, and this is like a bit tongue-in-cheek, we're talking about him going to Tottenham, but you never know. Because if somebody throws some money in the pot, as we know, we're a, we're a selling club, and we will sell them, we'll just buy someone else um, I don't know if it's probably wise for us to sell him at the moment now because I think also their view is that if we're going to sell him if we you know if you're going to sell him for 40 million now then somebody will offer 60 million in 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 in, in January that's that's kind of how they think but also you have to think of the situation is that if Ivan Tony wasn't in the team um, and I'm going to ask you this question do you think we'll be uh, severely uh, weakened um, yes I do initially but I do completely back the directors I think they'll bring in, bring in someone who could potentially be better who could be the same but I do think in two weeks guys, not in two weeks but I'm, I'm saying if they bring someone in in two weeks give it a few a few months into the season I reckon you never know he could be on a similar level but I do think if we lost Tony it is a bit of a season derailer I think I, I don't think we'd necessarily go down from it but I think it would have a big impact definitely And this is, but this is a really really important season for us so and again I'm, I'm throwing this into the pot here because I think it's actually quite important that we because that, that we, you just you just never know what will happen over the next two weeks I mean Laney we're talking about Ivan Tony to Tottenham you know um, do you think it's going to happen? Uh, I, I think it's a threat. I, I think that the amount of money that they're talking about getting for Harry Kane is so phenomenal that they're able to kind of like harvest probably five, six players um, and, and set themselves up. So I, I think a couple of my Spurs chums, they, they're, um, they, they've, they've mentioned it to, they've mentioned him to me, and um, I think I'd, I'd probably, probably not this window, I'd say, but. You know, I think what what Friday proved that is way more. Quite a few coaches and quite a few scouts began. Oh, actually, you know, everyone talks about his goals, but you know, we, it proved what an all rounder he is and what a grafter he is. And you have you have that kind of player in any team. The team's going to be 
a successful team, I'd say. Um, you know, I, 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 I am concerned that someone's going to come along with 40 million and, and, and prize him away from us. Okay. Well, listen, we're not going to talk about Arsenal much more, but just Will just called in just now, and uh, Will, the spreadsheet winker, and he said to me, I've got a few stats on, on the Arsenal game, if you don't mind me talking about it. So I thought, look, as long as it's not too long, Will, you can talk about it. So this is Will. The spreadsheet. Much, no, we haven't. We haven't talked about it hardly at all. This is Will, the spreadsheet winker, and he's going to give us the statistical lowdown on the Arsenal game. Spreadsheet winker. So, what are the three main takeaways from our game against Arsenal? First, Bees created a decent amount with the 35% possession that we had. Two big chances for Norgard came from set pieces, where we seem to have a bit of our old creativity back with a train of players at the edge of the box. Long throws will be a very important area this season to catch the opposition off guard, as shown by the colossal 57% chance given to Norgard for the goal. Second, Kamos' goal was a worldie, but the other big chance from Norgard in the 80th minute, 48%, means that I'm not worried about our chance creation right now, even though it was a very small chance for Kanos. Third, Arsenal were limited to almost nothing. All of their 1.19 xG bar one shot came from chances of less than 0.1 xG. Comparatively, Bees generated 1.05 xG just from those two Norgard chances. We kept their dangerous attackers in areas where it was difficult for them to convert their shots, and it really paid off for us. So that was Will. The spreadsheet winker. And now again, if you don't know why the spreadsheet winker name is coming, it's a name that was given to us by the Forest fans back in the championship because they were making fun of the fact that, you know, we use statistics to uh, to sort of kind of sort of guide our football matches and find out information. And they weren't happy about it at all. So they called us a bunch of spreadsheet wankers, you know. But we thought we were going to be a little bit more polite and we call it the spreadsheet winker. And so uh, and we made a feature and Will's done a really good job. And interesting that, you know, we talked about it again quickly on Sunday, you know, when we looked at the XG for the games and Arsenal created you know listen again I listened to uh, I was meant to be on uh, the Monday Night Club actually but I got I got outed for the, uh, the, the for the throwing for the throwing merchant actually on BBC Radio 5 I was a bit gutted about that because I, I really wanted to talk to Micah Richards who was banging on about Brentford and basically he was kind of going I don't know why everyone's like going on about them being so good basically I don't know what all the fuss is about I mean Basically, so you're saying we, they got lucky and, you know, they were just kind of lumping the ball in there. And Arsenal had, like, he goes, 22 chances. The amount of chances that Arsenal had. Normally, a team that has that many chances doesn't fluff it, basically. And I felt like getting in there saying, listen, but uh, have you seen the chances? They were all from, like, 25 and 30 yards. All of them were, like, 5% and 7% and 4% and 2%, like, you know. Dregs. You know, dregs. It's like, you know, basically two in a 100 of those shots ever go in. Like, you know what I'm saying? And it's almost like Brentford had them in the place that they wanted them. Because Brentford, if you speak to Thomas Frank, he goes, we're happy defending. And it's obviously he's going to be happy defending when you're basically defending, you know, shots from 30 yards, you know. OK, sometimes these guys are brilliant strikers and one of them might go in the back of the net. But the fact is that if two or three out of 100 go in the back of the net, you know, the chances of going into the back of the net is going to be very, very slight. So I thought that was quite, you know, that, that was typical kind of... <laughs> You know, somebody looking at the game, looking at the numbers, but not looking at the quality of the numbers. Like you know, but the interesting thing I think for us is the fact that um, normally in the championship, 
we create a lot of chances and we basically waste a lot of chances. This time we didn't create as many chances, but the ones that we created, we put them in the back of the net, you know, which is kind of almost like a reverse situation of what it is. And I don't know whether or not we've become more clinical, whether or not we were just luckier in this game, whether or not we just created some really good, you know, we just sat back, got the ball, uh, because we were very quick on the break and then just created chances and put them on the back of the net. I mean, what do you think, Laney? Well, before we move on from, from the Arsenal game, um, but we're, we're, we're always going to create quality chances. That's what we do. You know, um, we, 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 we got also do whatever it takes to survive this year. And that, that, may, that made me mixing it up. But we're not going to do it every game. We, we're going we're gonna to have to do that against teams that are technically and and actually are better than us. You know that they are they are a, a team of world class players rather than a team of promising players, um, and we got to hope f- we can bring them down a little bit. Um, and ho- hopefully they're not they're not on their on their game. You know th- we got to hope that when we play Man City, it's the Man City that played Tottenham on Sunday that that spluttered. spluttered. They they didn't look like champions. They look they look like an average team. So. We, we can compete then, um, and that's the, that's the way it's going to have to be. We, we, we're not going to come up and, and, and play pretty football all the time. There will be games when we do do that, and, and that's in our locker. But to, for us to get stereotyped as being you know, one of these like, long ball merchants, um, I, think, I, I think that's a bit thick. I'm going to ask you, I mean, Charlie, we, we created two very big chances, like I said to you, two, these two Norgard chances which came from the ball into the area. And, you know, ironically, the goal that we scored from Kenos was a properly, like, that was like, like one of the Arsenal shots that they were taking. That was like 4%, you know, four out of 100 of those actually go in the back of the net. But he, he put it in the back of the net where Arsenal didn't. The thing that I'm going to ask you, though, is that are you a little bit concerned because, like, you know, Obviously, we're in the Premier League. We're playing against better defenders. We're going to get less chances. We obviously got less chances in this Arsenal game. We had less possession, less chances. Um, we, okay, we managed to score them. But are you a bit worried that maybe as we go through the season, this may prove a bit of a downfall? Not really, because I think anyone that watched the game would say that we had more clear chances than Arsenal. And Buemo could have had a hat trick. He had one in the first half. Where he hit two in the. He had one in the first half. Where he hit the post, and then he had another one he put wide. And then second half, he had that one he put straight at the keeper. And I think if Arsenal fans were being fair, I think they probably would say we have more clear-cut chances. I do think, obviously, when we play your cities, your Uniteds, we are going to be limited to a few chances. But I think we've got the players this season to, to come away and maybe nick a completely ridiculous XG win from time to time. Um, so just, you know, it doesn't worry me too much, but we'll see. I think after Friday, it showed to me, apart from maybe three teams in this division that we're going to have to really hope that you know they show us some mercy then I think we're we're a match for, for for most I think I think we can give most a really good game and there's you know that's why we have to be on top of our game and that's why we're going to have to rotate you know we can't rely on the same players and 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 risk them getting burnt out um, it's going to take like a hundred percent every single match for these guys to, to, to be able to survive, um, and I'm I know I, I I'm I'm really buoyed by what I've seen so far. Right. So listen, talking about being buoyed, let's get a bit of let's get some tunes down us, okay? Let's get JB in, you know, JB with his facts and his funk, as you know. I don't know. Well, I'm not going to find out afterwards. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So you know, so you know, you're just getting a bit ahead of yourself there, Lane. You know what I'm saying? You know, you obviously talked about Arsenal a bit too much. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, listen, JB, JB's going to be giving us some facts and some funk. 
Virtual here again. Sergi Canos made history with our first Premier League goal. He clearly likes our new stadium, as he was also the first player to score here in the pre-season friendly against Oxford last September, when he scored two and missed a penalty. Then he scored the first goal from open play in front of the 2,000 fans when we were finally allowed back in against Blackburn last December. And Christian Norgard likes an early season goal. In his two previous seasons, he scored in both of the first pre-season friendlies. This year, he left it to the first league game. This year is inevitably one where we're going to be looking back to our previous First Division games. Yet Crystal Palace are a team we've avoided playing in the league since we met them in the Third Division 58 years ago, only meeting them in a League Cup tie in 1977 in more recent years. The Third Division South game with them on Christmas Day in 1930 was eventful, as it was the first time we'd scored eight in a league game at Griffin Park, and more unusually was the game that saw hat-tricks for two players, from the unrelated Jack Lane and Billy Lane. So that's JB with his facts and his funk. Charlie, you like a do you like a bit of funk? Oh, I love a bit of funk, Billy. Always have done. How much funk do you like, Charlie? Uh, I'd say a solid eight, nine out of ten funk ish. Interesting funk there going on. But listen, Laney, JB, we always like listening to JB because he always picks it up and he comes up with. Just these facts. You just I don't know where we said this the other week. We don't know where he comes out from, and uh, that game a bit of a coincidence as well. I mean, there's loads of lanes there, wouldn't there? What do you mean? D- didn't, didn't you know it says lanes? There's lanes, like goals and lanes. Yeah, I heard what he said. But don't what's that got to do with anything? Then you know, there's almost like there's a mix between. It's almost like there's a, a mix from years back in the day between you and me. It's like you know Billy and and and, and Laney. Didn't, didn't, didn't you notice it? No, you've lost me there, mate. I don't know what the hell you're on about. Oh, all right, okay. Well, we should move on. Um, well, <laughs> next time maybe we'll have to get um, we we'll have to get JB in to explain. Actually, explain. <laughs> oh no, I didn't. Anyway, anyway, listen. We're going to move on because we've got Michael Wicks from the Five Year Plan Podcast, Crystal Palace Podcast, and we know nothing about Palace. We know nothing about Premier League football. We don't know what's going on there. So he's going to give us much more of an insight as what's going down. At Palace. Oh, Lane. I'll, I'll, get, I'll see what you no, mean. Yeah, let's yeah. move on. I believe this is Michael Wicks from the Five Year Plan podcast. Thank you for having me and welcome to the Premier League. We think you'll enjoy it here. So, a few of my friends are Brentford fans. So, hi to Simon Radford, Tom Harrison, Nanny Griffin, if you're listening. So I'm very excited about your promotion. Really excited to have Brentford here in the Premier League. I've seen you play a few times. Uh, I remember going to Griffin Park on Valentine's Day many years ago. I think the year you won League Two. Saw you beat Port Vale 2-0. Bobby Williams was there, of course. Um, and China McDonald scored one of the goals. I also saw you lose the Football League Trophy final at Wembley to Carlisle. You had a promising youngster called... Jeff Schlupp, he impressed me, I remember, um, so I wonder what happened to him. But, yeah, best of luck for the season ahead. I think you will do well. Um, so, with that, Palace, let me give you the lowdown on last season. 
what went well and more to the point not so well if I had to summarise the season um, in in a few words I'd probably say a bit dull um, and it was it was the season that drove even more of a divide between the Hodgson in and the Hodgson out camp so on the one hand it's the the earliest we've ever been safe um, but there was very little in the way of excitement. Um, in fact, there were, there were worrying signs, um, more so than in previous seasons. We, we conceded a lot of goals. I think we conceded 67. Um, and there were quite a few heavy defeats. Um, so there was, I mean, I could list so many, but off the top of my head, we lost 3-0 at home to Burnley. We lost 3-0 at Villa Park against 10 men. Uh, and 7-0 at home to Liverpool. Um, so, you know, even... Even the, the good things about Hodgson, which was a solid team, a solid defence, being hard to beat, uh, staying in games, that sort of started to wane. Um, and you know, when, that, when, that, when that went, a lot of the argument for, for Hodgson um, started to crumble a little bit. Uh, and if, you, if you're interested in data and analytics, uh, and I suppose Brentford more than any team, the right people to talk to about this, um, our underlying numbers last year were, were very poor. I think we had the second worst expected goal difference. Uh, we were very poor going forward, so things like chances created, big chances, final third entries, all of those. Uh, and we also had a very, uh, a very aging squad, a symptom of, of, of Hodgson's predilection for experienced players, um, and you know, all, all of which pointed to um, a sort of medium term that, that, that wasn't looking very positive. Uh, so personally, I'm, I'm going to out myself as, as being Team Hodgson, but by the end of the season, I think I was cautiously ready for a change. And so that change, um, we have a new manager. Uh, I think that was the that was the big headline for us um, in, in pre-season, uh, undoubtedly. So Patrick Vieira. Initially, I think I speak for quite a few Palace fans. Initially, I, I was slightly underwhelmed. The thing is, he was he was very clearly at best our third choice. We were, we were very close to Nuno uh, Nuno Santo, who's, who's obviously since gone to Spurs, and then really close to Lucien Favre, um, most recently of, of, of Borussia Dortmund. We were very excited about him. He ticked a lot of boxes. Um, very good track record with young players. Exciting football, uh, and he just he just turned his mind, changed his mind at, at, at the last minute. So. Whoever was going to eventually be appointed was uh, was going to have to make up for that disappointment, and, and I think Vieira initially suffered from that. But uh, he has quietly impressed the longer he's been, he, he's been at the club. It, it, it's early days; it's hard to judge. But you know, he's, he speaks well. Um, everything he says um, seems, seems very well thought out. There seems to be a plan. He's made some really interesting and, and smart backroom staff appointments. Uh, he's also promoted some coaches from, from within our current system. So Sean Derry has gone from the under-23s to, uh, to the first team and people under him have, 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 have been promoted as, as well. Um, and everyone seems to like him. Um, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty important. Um, and, and, and he's also signalling more, more evolution rather than revolution. And I guess those last two points are uh, particularly important because... There are key differences to the person Hodgson taken over from, uh, which is Frank de Boer, who fell out with senior players in pre-season, uh, and he was extremely dogmatic with his 
his 3-4-3 formation and, and his possession-based football, and we, we simply didn't have the players for it. Um, so you'll have heard quite a few comparisons in the media between Vieira and Frank de Boer, um, but they're very lazy ones. Um, they are... Um, you, you, you can see where those lazy assumptions come from, but so far, touch um, wood, they're very different. So that was Vieira. What else, what else happened in the close season? Uh, well, it was always going to be a, summer, be a big summer, even, even aside from the manager, because uh, we had a lot of players out of contract, um, about 15, 15 or so. Although not, it's not quite as bad as, as was made out in the media. A, a lot of those players barely played last season. You know, a lot of the likes of you know, Wayne Hennessy was our backup keeper. Connor Wickham, he's not played for years. Only, it's only really Scott Dan, Gary Cahill, Patrick Van Arnold, and, and Andros Townsend who were, to any extent, regulars. Um, but there's still, there's still a lot of gaps to fill. And our business so far has been impressive. We just need to do a little bit more. Um, so the, the, the marquee signings have been two central defenders. Mark Gahey from Chelsea for about 18 million. You'll probably know him from playing against him. He was on loan at Swansea. Technically excellent, powerful, quick, great in the air, and just really exciting. Uh, and alongside him, we've signed Joachim Anderson from Lyon for 15 million. And he was on loan at Fulham last season. Uh, and he seems like a real coup. Uh, and an organiser, uh, a leader, very vocal, uh, hugely improved Fulham's defence last season. Uh, as soon as he came in, just you know, simply looking at their goals against record before and after, um, it's clear to see the impact he had. Um, but he's also got a really, really good range of passing, so watch out for raking balls out to the wingers. Uh, we also signed Michael Elise from Reading, uh, the EFL Young Player of the Year, uh, for a bargain, eight million. I think he had a buyout clause. Uh, he can play across the front line anywhere. Again, you, you, you probably know as much about him as, as, as we do. He's still out for a few weeks, uh, injured. He's, he, he hasn't played for us. And we also signed Conor Gallagher on home from Chelsea, um, who, again, you might remember playing against from, um, from Stint when he was on loan at Charlton and Swansea. So, four excellent signings, but we need more, at the very least, a forward uh, and another central midfielder, if not one or two more on top of that. Um, so, in terms of pre-season and, and the season so far, the, the Chelsea game last week, it's, it's probably still too early to tell. I think everyone's optimistic about the future of the Palace. Um, it's bought into Vieira and, uh, and everything he's trying to do. But in order to unlock that, uh, that future, it's really important that we stay in the Premier League this season. And, and anyone after Hodgson brings in some, some form of risk, um, and so, you know, whoever it was going to be, that, that was, that's, that, 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 there's that inherent risk. I think we'll stay up. But we've got a very tough start. We've got Chelsea last week, we've got you this weekend, and we've got West Ham, Spurs, Liverpool, uh, all finished in the top seven last year. Um, yeah, so that's, that is, uh, that's quite daunting. The preseason was good. We, we beat a bunch of mediocre League One and Championship teams and, and a half-strength Watford team. Um, and you know, how much can you really read the preseason results? But you could see a bit of the process that Vieira was trying to put into, in, into place. And Chelsea on Saturday... We knew it was going to be tough, um, but they were very good, and, and it was a really sobering defeat. But with a few days to dwell on the game, you know, we, we didn't create anything going forward. We were really listless in, in, um, in, 
in terms of in possession. That was obviously a big concern. But equally, Chelsea didn't really cut us open. Um, the, the expected goals, uh, depending on who, on who you look at, was about somewhere between 0.9 and 1.3. Uh, you know, so when you're playing when you're playing teams good as Chelsea, that's actually not so bad. They only created one, uh, you know, opt to define clear cut chance. And you look at, at, at Newcastle by comparison; they completed six or seven against West Ham. So, uh, you know, we, we, we weren't completely cut to shreds. So, <laughs> I guess if that's that's a reason to be optimistic. That's that's it. Um, and Billy tells me that this is your first game at Selhurst uh, for quite a while in my in my lifetime. I think since the since the seventies, even longer in, in, in the league. So, uh, for those of you who've not been to Selhurst for a while, what can you expect? Well, I guess there's two types of stadium these days. You've got the the, the modern, nice facilities. Um, and then the second category, which is uh, which are fire hazards, and Selhurst very much falls into the latter. Uh, it has its charm, of course. We love it. Which are much like you, uh, you you miss elements of Griffin Park. If we, if we ever leave Selhurst, it would be the same. The away end is, is in the Arthur Waite stand. Uh, it doesn't have the best eye lines, and I know the sun gets in your eyes um, if uh, if it's out. Uh, being being mid August, uh, there's a chance it will be. Uh, we know this because we've sat in the away end uh, at Selhurst when we, when we used to share with Wimbledon. So um, we've, we've sat in those very seats. Um, it's fine. Um, you've got the, the family stands to your right. Uh, you're, you're in that corner, so don't expect too much back and forth with them. And the other end of the pitch, to the left, as you see, as you, as you'll see it, uh, our big two-tier stand, the, the, the Homestyle stand, uh, and that's where the Homestyle fanatics, our, our ultras group, sit. They make loads of noise. They put on these big TIFO displays with cards and banners. And being the first match back after after lockdown, they might have something special up their sleeve on Saturday. Um, so watch out for that. The the other big myth about Selhurst, it's it's hard to get to. Uh, as I say, that's a myth. It's served by three mainline train stations: Selhurst, Thornton Heath, Norwood Junction. If you know how to get around London and being a London team, you will. You'll get to Selhurst easily. The best away pub is the Prince George, and you're best getting off at Thornton Heath Station to, uh, to go there. And that's also close to our, our real hidden gem, uh, uh, Tasty Jerk on Whitehorse Lane, which does some of the best jerk chicken um, in, um, in London. Um, only thing to know is get there in plenty of time. It is a combination of uh, being very popular, but also having very slow service, but it's worth it. Um, so, yeah. Visit Tasty Jerk. Uh, what can you expect from Palace on the pitch? Uh, so the team, the team will have come October November time will be very different to the team that plays on Saturday. Uh, we'll have hopefully new signings to come and a bunch of injured players: uh, Nathan Ferguson, Elise, as mentioned before, and crucially, uh, Ebere Eze. Uh, they are still to come back. So, uh, with that said. We'll likely play 4-3-3. Um, that seems to be Vieira's preferred formation. He, he, he'll, he's already shown he'll, he'll stray from it a little bit and adapt to the, to, to the game situation with the team we're playing. But let's play 4-3-3 with one holding midfielder and two uh, box-to-box players, or, or number eights, as, um, as the kids call them these days. Uh, Single goal, Vicente Huerta, he's our reigning player of the year. Best goalkeeper we've had since Nigel Martin. Excellent. 
the full-backs, uh, very dependable. You've got, you've got Joel Ward, uh, he's in his testimonial year with us. Um, yeah, very solid Premier League performer, not particularly great going forward. On the other side, Tyrek Mitchell, um, an academy graduate. He, he broke through properly last season, an excellent defender, uh, and a bit of a work in progress going forward. And that both the, the, the fullbacks are, are slightly at odds with, with, with the style that, that Vieira wants to play, um, that, that relies on good, good attacking fullbacks. Uh, Gehi and Anderson, we've already spoken about, they'll probably be, um, almost certainly be our, um, our, our central, deferring, uh, central defensive partnership. We're all very excited to see them. The holding player would normally be Luka Milivojevic, he's our, he's our club captain, but he's been out uh, with, um, with a personal issue, uh, so it will likely then be. Yairo Riedewald, who is uh, an Ajax Academy product, so predictably technically excellent. He's a fan's favourite. Um, you know, we're a bit of a cult here at Palace. Uh, the only thing is, get some, sometimes the game can pass him by a little bit. He can, um, he can find himself in and out of, in, in and out of game, so perhaps an area to target uh, from Brentford's point of view. The other midfielders. Gallagher will, Conor Gallagher will probably make his debut. He couldn't play last week because Chelsea are his parent club. He'll be he'll be one of those apes. So I would say it's between James MacArthur and Jeff Schlupp for the other position, and it will probably be MacArthur, one of the more underrated Premier League players. Technically very strong. Um, really like, he, he's a bit he's a bit like our James Milner. Not not in well he's he's quite versatile actually, uh, but he's just. An experienced head, very dependable. Um, yeah, very, very, very popular. The front three: uh, Benteke, almost certainly in the middle. Wasn't match fit last week, but hopefully will be ready for Saturday. And he had a, he had a rebirth last season, uh, getting to double figures uh, after two or three um, meagre seasons. Uh, Wilfred Zaha, obviously, he'll play uh, our best ever player. Doesn't need any introduction. We're as dependent on him as, as we've ever been. Uh, the other full position, uh, Jordan Ayew played last week. Uh, he underwhelmed, as I'm afraid he often does. So Schluck could play in the front three, uh, or there's also less likely, um, but our, our latest academy product, Jesmond Raksaki, uh, who made his debut off the bench against Chelsea. So, so he's another option. In terms of our style, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's still, still, still early. We'll try and keep the ball a bit more than we did under Hodgson. We'll try and be a bit more proactive. Look for Anderson and Gay to start a lot uh, to start lots of attacks. But it is yeah, it's early days uh, in the Vieira Revolution, so expect us to still be a little bit disjointed, um, trying to um, trying to get the team problems out of the way. Uh, so possibly possibly a good time to play us. And on that note, uh, my prediction: I think Brentford are very good. I think we're not quite ready, so I'm a little bit worried about Saturday, and I am going to predict 2-0 to Brentford. Uh, possibly some booze at full time. Hopefully not. Um, but that's modern football for you. Uh, right, that is more than enough, Palace. Uh, this has gone on longer than some of our own podcasts, so I will hand back to Billy. Thanks for having me, and enjoy the game. So that was Michael Wicks from the Five Year Plan Podcast, great podcast, Crystal Palace podcast. Go and check them out with all their stuff. And like I said, good bit of information there as well. And also good bit of 
knowledge for the old away day, you know, because oh, the away days are back. Lainey, um, when's, I'm trying to think, when was our last away day? I'll can, I can tell, I tell you exactly when it was. It was Cardiff. Cardiff, oh my word, yeah, Cardiff mm. away. And we were 2-0 up. And um, we fluffed it actually, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, I, I was. I had COVID that day, and it was only. It's only by having a different variant of COVID recently, I realised exactly what I had when I was there. So, uh, yeah, it was. Um, it was a bit of a struggle that day. I must. I must admit, you know. But we went to the um, Stay Puffed Brewery, didn't we, um, beforehand? And that which that we, we. I'm surprised we made it to the ground. To be honest with you, <laughs> it was. Uh, it was. It was a really good day out. I almost lost my life, and we did. We threw away a two-goal lead. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But that's a funny thing about it because, you know, and, and, and we're talking about this just in retrospect now because I know there's a lot of people that have had a lot of people have been, you know, who've gone through COVID and, 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 and been really, really serious situations. So we're not making light of it at all. I have to put that out there as well. But at the time, it's quite strange because I remember you said to me months later when you heard it, because oh, in Cardiff, I felt really bad. I might have had COVID, like you know what I'm yeah. saying. I remember you were on the train, you were coughing away, you, know, you go to the game. But it was a couple of times I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. I remember I couldn't breathe, and I just thought, oh, it's I, I, I don't know what it was. You know, you know, obviously Sherlock Lane. I did put two and two together at the time, but I it it was you know it was obviously a lot of people got it you know a lot lot worse than that. And you, and you are great. I mean, massively grateful. I'm massively grateful. But um, yeah, that was that was definitely the last away game I went to. Yeah, and the, and, and that away game, I mean, the away day, it was, we had a great day. It was all right, you know, but it was one of those ones where you know we were trying to ticking them off because we were getting towards the back end of the season, and we really, you know, we we just fought great. We got about four or five away days. We just wanted to tick them off, and hopefully, you know, get ourselves to the playoffs. And all of a sudden, the umbilical cord was cut after that, and there has been nothing whatsoever at all there's been no away day so this I mean I know it's only just down the road which is in Crystal Palace it's like taking a, a tube train or a, an overground train down the road as well but still it doesn't really matter the fact that we're actually doing an away day for me actually fills me with a, with a lot of joy yeah yeah they're, 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 the, they're the best days aren't they you know when you're, you're, you're up early you, you've got a nice plot up of a pub um, you meet there sort of, you know, 11, 12. You've got two hours of, of uh, drinking some cold refreshment and then having something nice to eat and then and making your way to the game, getting behind the bees. Hopefully they do the business. Um, yeah, that, again, it's, it's, a, it's a new ground for a lot of Brentford fans. I've been there to watch Palace play <coughs> with one of the books I was doing. Um, but I've not, obviously, not, not seen Brentford play there. And... Uh, yeah, I can't wait. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a quirky ground, Sellers Park. It's got one really weird, weird ground. It's kind of got... Stand. Yeah, it's... Um, sorry, stand. Um, but they, you know, they, the Tyler Stands... Not Tyler Stand. The Homestyle. Homestyle end. They, they are famous for kicking out a, a proper atmosphere. So we're, you know, Brentford fans, you're going to have to be on your, at your singiest... Yeah, yeah, indeed. I mean, I'm going to be meeting my mate. I'm going to be, you know, I've always got chums everywhere, like, you know, so meeting up with a few uh, Palace chums, you know, I think Toby's going to be there as well. I think Neil as well, Neil and, uh, and, and, and Maceo. Uh, yeah, with all sorts of Palace characters sort of kind of coming out of the woodworks. Quite hard to drink in the area, as they say, so hard to drink in Thornton Heath. You know, it's, it's one of those old home fans only thing, which we're not used to as Brentford fans, because we're used to going anywhere and just going anywhere you want to and having a drink and it's not a problem. But apparently it just doesn't really work like that in south-east London so we're having to plot ourselves up good and proper before the match to find ourselves a, a, a place to drink but you know that's when I mean you're looking forward to this Charlie 
I can't wait. It is my first first trip to Selhurst and obviously my first away day in the Premier League. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Indeed, as well. And I went to Selhurst as well with my daughter a couple of, couple of years ago as well. And exactly the same thing that you say, Laney, I have to admit, I was actually very impressed with the... Uh, with, with 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 the noise that the um, the Homesdale made, like you know, I thought you know, fair play, they actually properly get behind their team. The stadium kind of reminded me a bit of Griffin Park, like you know, sort of slightly bigger Griffin Park. It's properly old school. They 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 apologise for it, almost saying, oh yeah, it's all a bit bad, it's a bit old. But I just yeah, thought, right. actually no, that's that's what it's about. That's what the character is about. So I actually look forward to it. And my my daughter, she said to me, she goes, oh, she goes, I could tell you like this stadium because you know everyone's standing, everyone's singing, and that's kind of like the thing that you like. And I was thinking, actually, you're, you're totally right there actually it's, uh, it's very good but not when Brentford come here because obviously I want us to do very well but yeah fair play to them but coming back to sort of kind of what Marco was talking about and Crystal Palace just looking at what the pros and cons and you know the strengths and weaknesses of this team actually Crystal Palace their strengths aerial duels so they're very good in the air and they're also very good at protecting the lead so I mean these are the one what's one of the things Laney that you said that you were a bit nervous about you know if we go behind what is going to happen so we need to be totally on the ball in this game don't we yeah we do and you know they've got Will Zaha who you know is is permanently linked with a move away and he did get his move away to Man United and he you know he, he worked his way back and um it's uh, it's something we have to be aware of, you know. It's it's it's, it's, a, it's he really is a threat. So we've we've come ag- we're coming up against you know technically world class players every single week, and you know on paper Crystal Palace shouldn't prove as much of a threat as Arsenal. But there's absolutely no way I'm going to suggest that or even think that because you know they they are probably more of a threat because they're 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 experience to survive in this division and you know they'll be looking to get three points they had a stinker at Stamford Bridge they lost 3-0 they need to get points on the table and um, they'll be looking to turn us over so they'll be studying our weaknesses and this is where we'll see what Thomas Frank does I'm sure he'll mix it up and he'll he'll try and uh, pull pull the rug from under their feet Charlie I mean looking at those strengths of Palace aerial duels and protecting the lead what are your thoughts I think it's going to be a, a very different game to the Arsenal game. Um, I think the midfield is basically going to be where the game's lost or won. And I think it's interesting to see what sort of combination Frank will go for. Um, but I think Palace should be careful because Brentford have gone from three Premier League appearances to 14. So we're, we're quite an experienced side now, if anything. You know, we're getting over 10 appearances. We're doing very well. Um, so, no, I, I think it'll be a good game. But I, I do back us to get at least a point, I reckon. Okay, so listen, let's go back to Will the spreadsheet winker and he's going to give us a statistical rundown on Crystal Palace so let's move on to Palace what are the three main things I think we need to look out for first Palace failed to register a shot until the 53rd minute in their 3-0 defeat to Chelsea even after that they only managed four with only one on target Number above 0.07 xG, so they really struggle to get into good positions for their forwards to convert. Secondly, we'll need a similarly good defensive performance as against Arsenal to keep Zaha and Benteke quiet. We need to do exactly the same thing and shepherd them into areas where it's difficult for them to convert their shots. Third, I think we'll probably have more of the ball against Palace. They only had 39% possession against Chelsea, so we'll see how our attackers deal with not just getting big chances from set pieces and counters, which is where 7 out of our 9 shots came from against Arsenal. Overall, I think it's a very winnable game against Palace. 
We'll have to keep the ship tight at the back, and our attackers will need to take their chances, but I'm confident that we can create enough to beat them. So there you go, Will, the spreadsheet winker on Crystal Palace. And this is interesting because it's almost like a sort of kind of, I say chalk and cheese situation, but he's, he's looked at Palace against Chelsea, probably slightly unfair as well, because obviously Chelsea are a, a top, top side, you know, who Champions of Europe, actually they're, they're not Champions of Europe, are they? Champions of the world, aren't they now? I thought, well, Le- sorry, Leeds, 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 the Champions Leeds, of Europe, Leeds. sorry, we got it wrong, <laughs> completely wrong, God, we, every time oh, God. we get it wrong, don't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Go on, you know, but anyway, we, we'll remember when we go up to Ellen Road, because they'll remind us that they're Champions of Europe, Leeds, because they, they always do, but anyway... They played the champions of um, the second champions, obviously the runners up in the champions of Europe, Chelsea, and uh, apparently they created nothing, like I said, for till about the fifty-third minute, and uh, their XG was very, very low, nothing over seven percent. So basically, you know, seven in a hundred chance that was like the highest that they got at that time. So they created very, very little. So I think what he's kind of saying there is that looking at what happened against Arsenal, if we continue to be as disciplined as we were at Arsenal then we were just hitting on the break especially we were playing away from home that could do the business but obviously they've got three very good players Zaha Schlup um, you know uh, what's it Brentford legend Schlup isn't he yeah he played what, he played um, at Wembley for him. he played at Wembley at the, 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 the Johnson's paint trophy uh, against Carlisle Oh, and then what a great afternoon that was. <laughs> and he put a sort of a, a, a head of steam on, didn't he? He, did a, he got the ball, did a head of steam on, just sort of got, run past people and smashed the ball against the post. Do you remember that one? I can't say I do, but yeah. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were too young, you know what I'm saying? You were still in nappies, like, you know, around your dad's chest in a sling, weren't you? Like, you know, but you remember that, don't you, Laney? Yeah, 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 100%, yeah. I, I, when, when Schlupp arrived, I, I forget which game it was, but it, it was, he looked unplayable at times. And you just thought, oh, if only we could sign this player. And obviously, you know, he, he, he went on. He came from Leicester, didn't he? And Leicester. Yeah. And um, he, he played for West Brom as well, did he? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, no, he, 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 was, he, he, he was very, very good. And um, uh, you, you got a fit, you got a fear... If he's on his game, that he poses a threat. I mean, these these guys are Premiership footballers. They they've been bought into the Premier League. They've not got promoted into the Premier League. So you know, uh, we we just got we've just it's going to be another learning curve. And and I that's what really excites me. I'm not I'm not going there expecting to win. I'm I'm hoping we can win, and I think we can. But I'm going there to surf surf this wave, find out what it's like to be here. Um, and you know, I'm not saying I'm ever going to be happy watching my team lose, but I just know we will, and uh, that's just part of being here, I think, and being a club like Brentford. Um, but I, I, I honestly think we can go to Sellers Park and come away with at least a point, and and, and maybe even three. Okay, fingers crossed. And just looking at that, then I mean, looking at the weaknesses of Crystal Palace, they're weak at keeping possession of the ball. They're weak at finishing scoring chances. They're weak at defending against attacks down the wings. They're weak at defending set pieces. They're very weak at avoiding fouling in dangerous areas. And they're very weak at defending against long shots. So if you look at that and, and the way that we play, you know, you sort of say that we, you, know, you might hold yourself out of a chance. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, win at home, draw away, and that's what you're looking for. And we're looking to see if we can nab a point here. Um, the fact that, you know, they're, they're weak at keeping possession of the ball, we can keep possession of the ball, is what we do. So for me, it's sort of, there's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, isn't there, child? Yeah, I'd say so. I think... You can't go into these games with anything other than optimism. And I think there was nothing in the Arsenal game that showed me that I should be overly worried about Crystal Palace, especially in the, you know, our boys will be absolutely buzzing for this. Um, and I just, 
I think they are a very good side and they could definitely cause us issues. And I think if the game's nil-nil with 70 minutes gone, I think there's a real chance Palace will nick it in the last few minutes. But especially if Brentford grab an early goal, I think there's no reason why we can't go on and get three points. It's interesting because I mean the way that they play, they play with short passes. So they obviously pass the ball around short passes, and they also play with width as well. So they play down the wings. So again, you know, with our wing backs, it could be quite an interesting uh, situation that's going to happen there. You know, it's going to be the battle of the the battle of the wide battle of the wide men, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and it's also it's a battle of the coaches as well. I mean, like you know, Patrick Vieira is, is now you know the Crystal Palace coach manager. Um, and he didn't have a he didn't have a great time at his, his previous club. He was I think he was a niece. niece. He was a niece, and I, and, and I you know from what I've I've, I've heard about him, he, he didn't have didn't really have an identity. He didn't have a style of play. Um, and we, we we do that's what we do have. We we do have a, f- a very very good identity, um, and we we do know. We, whether it's four at the back, whether it's five at the back, we're quite fluid in being able to to, to swap it around. So, uh, you know, we we go there with with a lot of confidence, I have to say. And the pre- the pressure's on him. They're the ones that have lost three now. Um, I'm not saying it's a free hit, Bill, because um, you know, obviously we want we want to get points out of that. But we've probably got a little bit more than we probably would have expected at this stage. We a point against Arsenal um, but we got three so if we can come away with a point um, I, I, I think like four points in your first two games would be incredible I think it's also important to note after mentioning Vieira that if we were going and playing Roy Hodgson's Palace it would be a completely different a different game I think and I'd be much more sceptical but Palace under Vieira are pretty unknown really you don't know if they've got any plan you don't know what sort of style he wants to implement and they could still be a bit of a mess um, it could come back to bite me, but, but I reckon we'll do well. I tell you what also is interesting is that is the style of play as well is that they're uh, they're, they're non-aggressive as well. <laughs> interesting how here um, Gary Neville's accusing us of going around beating teams up, which does make me laugh because we're not we're not a beating up team at all. But what we have learned is that we've learned to. Uh, We've learned just like I said, and I said it a bit earlier, about to be a little bit tougher. I remember we used to be at games, and do you remember there was that one season where we used to play teams, and we used to get really annoyed because we played brilliant football, and they come and they sort of muscle us off the ball, and then they end up winning one nil, and we get really annoyed, and their fans are going, "Oh, you're not tough enough, you're not tough enough." So there was one season that we actually tried to be tough, but we were really rubbish at it. And we were just going around sort of pushing people over and just fouling them rubbishly. And we were, just, we were just not good at being tough. And in the end, we actually went back to sort of passing the ball around because that's what we were quite good at. But it seems that what we've done is that by bringing a few more experienced players in, we've learned how to have that toughness side to us as well, as well as the, as, as well as the, the playing football side. So this will be really interesting, you know, if Palace do still have this non-aggressive sort of side to them and how we actually be able to, to match up to them. I think what we've got is an intelligent team. Um, and I think that goes a long way. We're, we're not we're not like a Warnock team where we're robots and he just tells them to go out and do something and we just do it. I think we're we're we've got enough nous and and and, and as I said like intelligence in 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 you know in footballing terms as and intellectual terms to know what when 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 to do the right things. Um, and I, 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 honestly, I, I think they're sitting there now. Looking at Crystal Palace videos and and working out how we're going to unpick them and 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 they'll be able to go out and put that into 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 practice. I'm, I'm sure. Honestly, I'm I'm so excited. I'm almost as excited about 
going to Palace as I am about hosting, um, you know, Arsenal. We mentioned Arsenal. We played. No, 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 no right, we didn't. Okay. Not very much. Just a little, little touch about Arsenal. So, um, so. Just because it's a Saturday lane here, I mean, I'm asking you what you're doing, but I mean, I'm probably telling you what you're doing because I'm trying to organise the pubs for Saturday. But we've got, we, we hopefully we'll have a few things. We're going to be up, we're going to be out early on Saturday, aren't we? Yeah, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, out, um, be uh, be being, you know, Clapham and head, heading to South East London. Hopefully, find a nice little uh, pub somewhere, a bit of tucker. Get got, a f- got a few lined up, lady. Potty for it. Get to uh, get to Crystal Palace for about midday and queue up for our tickets. <laughs> um, and then, um, then yeah, get in there early. I think get in there early. Make yeah. make a bit of noise. En- yeah. Enjoy it. I think. That's right. yeah. I think we're looking at bees getting down there two thirty again. There's a bit of a two thirty call half an hour before the kickoff call. That's why I went to the dentist today. Two thirty. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, your tooth is hurting a lot as well. Charlie, again, I said you're looking forward to. It. What's your plans before the game? Have you got any plans? Are you boozing it up or are you going straight in? I will be boozing it up. Uh, that's for sure. Unfortunately, my dad again can't go, so it will just be me. So I will just be finding a pub. And uh, that's if you want. Well, I may well do. Do you, do you want to be our friends? Yeah, I can. I'll count you as friends. I think now. You know, we've had at least an hour know. together. Is that no? Well, I might get better offer. We can't. <laughs> we can't run it out. Yeah, I doubt it. No, very much looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be a great day. That's right. So looking forward to this. So listen, I've got to go around the table, and I'm going to have to ask you for the f- score prediction for our first away day in. Almost, I wouldn't say almost two years, but in over 18 months, Laney. 3-1 Brentford. That's the first fan away there, not Brentford's away there, but the fans. So 3-1 to Bees. Mr Charlie Man. I'll go 2-1 Brentford. Oh, confidence and I don't, I'm, 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 I'm I've been checkmate every week I'm getting checkmate that's the thing when I go last you see so <laughs> I can't go first, I'll, I'll, I can't go, go first actually I can't go 4-1 you know, I'm going to go for a sneaky little 1-0 win again actually yeah, a little sneaky 1-0 you know so this is all good but look I've really enjoyed um, this hold a second go, but, um, do you know anywhere that um, I've got I'm quite hairy I don't actually know. We're not going to go. Listen, we got rid rid of them permanently, hopefully, and we're never going to talk about them again. Okay? They keep popping up in the wrong places, and it's all a big problem. Oh dear, but you you all know what we're talking about. Please please help us to get rid of that, okay? Because we don't necessarily want to hear that ever again. But this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. What I say is that thanks very much for listening to us. Um, we've got loads going on at the moment now. Like I said to you, we've got loads more contributors coming in. So check out besotted.com. We've got articles galore coming there. If you want to uh, contribute to us, DM us or message us or come down the pub and buy us a pint and or we'll buy you a pint or, or email us besotted1992 at gmail.com and we will get you involved read the articles just go there every day we're gonna have an article at least an article a day and it's very very good don't forget to subscribe to us on all good podcast channels also go to sky it's fun this just get your sky q remote and just press the the button which is the old uh which is the the the, the sound button whatever it is the button on your sky q remote and go besotted and you'll see all the Brentford stuff will come up on your screen, actually. How cool is that? So try that out just for fun, just to annoy the missus or your mates or your roommates or so everything like that. And other than that, as well, besotted.com forward slash beer. And that's our Kofi. That's for everyone who's been just decided to buy us a beer. 
appreciate it thanks very much for doing that as well if you want to get involved in Besotted if you want to sponsor us or do anything like that just get to Besotted 1992 at gmail.com anyway I've said enough because I'm very very excited because I've actually got to leave this pub now go home and plan my trip to get to Crystal Palace on Saturday with my mates we're going to see them we're going to get together come on you Ruby come on you Ruby come on you bees we're off to Palace it's Crystal apparently Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.